0: so last week at midweek in the city, Brian led us in a discussion, um, kind of about our, how we make new year's resolutions and then how we tend to fail or fall short of them. But it was really more about how we think God views us. Right. Um, and in Sunday school, we talked a little bit about being invited to this banquet, um, that this banquet, that's really a picture of the kingdom of God. Right. So, uh, that's what we've talked about over the last few days, um, and it's this compassionate God that invites us in, right? And if you were, if you were there on Sunday at church, um, Brian, he only had about 36 hours to prepare that sermon. Um, so if you haven't listened to Brian's sermon, please go back and listen to it. Um, it's really, really good, and it really just connects all of these things that we've been learning about um, at midweek. And so we're kind of building off of that this week. Um, We know who God is. We know who this compassionate Jesus is that invites us in, right? And so now, this week, we're talking about how should that change the way we live. Um, And so a lot of us have talked about, we know we had a successful day when we got everything done, right? When we checked everything off of the to-do list. Um, And we've talked about New Year's resolutions, and they kind of become a joke because we kind of know that we're going to fail at them, right? Um, But really, did any of y'all make resolutions this year? You don't have to, like, own them, but... (laughs) Okay, so just um, show of hands, how many of you made some that were in regards to either how we manage our time or filling our time differently or adding something new to our lives? Was that part of yours? Okay, me too, and those are great, right? Um, I haven't been super successful at mine, but it's already January 26th, so that's longer than last year, right? If you made it to February, then just throw yourself a party. Um, And those are great, and those are not bad things. Um, We should try to be better at scheduling our time, right? We should want to implement new things in our life. Um, And I titled this tonight, How Can We Tear Down the Idol of Productivity? Um, I think because even though these are all really good things, our culture has become obsessed with these things, right? With managing our time and squeezing every second for everything that it's worth, right? Um, And our culture has kind of done this, and we've kind of jumped in the boat with them. Um, we've become obsessed with this idea of if I just manage my time better, then I can do everything it, that I want to do, everything that I feel called to do, everything that I need to do, right? There's about like 100 best-selling books about how to manage our time, and they all kind of say the same thing, right? Go buy a calendar, go, you know, make a list of your priorities, all of these things, right? There's, they all kind of say the same thing, and believe me, my planner is like my third arm, right? I use it all the time. Um, and I get an endorphin rush every time I check something off my to-do list, right? <laughs> and actually, I okay, Sarah, our ministry assistant, was making fun of me the other day, because I don't know if y'all do this, and if I'm not the only one, then I guess this is just a confession time. But I put things on my to-do list that I don't need. That to Like, I know I'm going to shower that day and brush my teeth, but I need the encouragement of checking something off. So I put that on my to-do list. Um, yeah exactly look at this thing that I did that anybody does every day yeah okay you you do it and then you write it down and then you check it off yeah the order is is different there that's awesome so I'm well I'm glad I'm not the only one thank you for (laughs) sometimes you just need that like hit of endorphins to check something off um and so we want to control every second and every minute of our day so that we can squeeze the juice out of every second, right? Does that resonate? Do you feel like you've tried? There's all these, like, life hacks, right? How to do this faster, how to squeeze the most out of your work day, how to squeeze the most out of your morning, you know, whatever that looks like. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Okay, I do that, too, and I don't, I don't, I don't apologize for that. People talk way too slow. Okay. <laughs> yeah I want to be entertained but I want to be entertained really quickly yeah right <laughs> okay y'all I, I listened to like three podcasts today in the car and they were all on 1.5 speed and I was like I can do another one I can fit it in yeah okay <laughs> But productivity kind of becomes this, uh, this we, it's like a consolation prize, right? Okay, so maybe we're not everything we want to be. Maybe we're not as great as we ought to be. But you know what, golly, I filled my day. I didn't waste my time, right? I squeezed the most out of this day. Um, and we've talked a lot about people responding to, you know, they'll say, how are you? And they'll say, I'm busy. And they're like proud of that, right? That's kind of this, and we've talked a lot about that. It's like a humble brag kind of thing. I'm just really busy with all these commitments that I've been asked to do because I'm really good at whatever it is that I'm, right? And we, we do that all the time. I've tried really actively hard to not being, I don't want to be proud of being busy. Um, that's somehow become like a social status symbol or, or whatever, but it's, we, re- we wear it as a badge of honor, but if we're being honest with ourselves, most of us feel spread too thin. Most of us feel like we're kind of, we can't even fit in the bare minimum in the day. Right. And so it's it's ripping us apart, even though we wear it proudly. Right. Um, and I don't think this is just us. I don't think it's just self-imposed. I think our culture puts this expectation on us, too. Right. We're expected to have work be at the center of our lives. Right? Companies like Google make like they've done all these things and jump through all these hoops so that their employees can stay there longer. Right. And they can spend more hours at work. Um, because the more we work the more output we have and the more we produce. And so what does this imply about where our value comes from? We decide if a day was good or bad and the way that work expects us to behave. What does that imply about where our value comes from? Yeah. Our work. whatever that is like
1: whatever your goals are. Mhm. Yeah. I know i Yeah. Yeah.
0: I might as well. Run. Okay. I don't put my walk at two speed to somehow that rule doesn't apply to exercise. Okay. <laughs> my mind doesn't even go there so you're at least but yeah. slow-mo. 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 <laughs> I walk on half speed. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you're saying, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. How mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, there's literal numbers that can, a lot of times, right, that can show us how much we've produced. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. That, that is now 199 but, I mean, yeah, yeah. And stuff, but you know they're
2: not getting a sense of the big picture of what all you have to do mm-hmm. you have to your time. so I think that since that I need this right now without
0: understanding what other elements of
1: our time are required of us mm-hmm. I think those things are problematic as well yeah yeah that. that's good
0: Oh, yeah, we were joking about this earlier, <laughs> yeah, which feels like grossly on the nose with yeah, 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 that's hard, yeah.
1: Sure. Yeah. sometimes it's the keeping up with the
0: you know, paramount people that they like some of my classmates uh in graduate school they have a full time job while they're going to graduate school and they're married with
1: children and running ministry and I just don't like I wanna lie down for reading that
0: Oh, no, I feel, I mean, trust me. I just We just have the dog. And sometimes I'm like, ugh. You have to go out again. That's, Which is like the bare minimum of care for this animal. Yeah, yeah that's the apartment situation. But yeah, so do you, so, okay, so all of this is saying we're valued by how much we produce. That's what our work is telling us, or that's what, these things that we've learned to evaluate our day is telling us. Do you think that we've started to believe that about ourselves? Even though we know better, right? Even though we know that God is who we get our worth from and all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. (laughs) Yeah. And it's hard when our culture kind of puts this expectation on us, right? Yeah. 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 Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, sometimes even if we absolutely love our job, that we can still fall into this, right? We don't have to, like, despise our nine-to-five to to still fall into this, right? Um, And so we've been led to feel like we're only as valuable for as much as we produce or as whatever we contribute to the world, right? But so our work feels that way. It kind of makes us begin to feel that way. Have you ever been led to think that God believes that about you? That you are... that he believes that you are as worthy as whatever you produce or whatever you can do. Um, And that's a little more that feels wrong to say, right? We kind of literally know that that's untrue or we, I hope you know that that is literally untrue, but it's something when people around us kind of what we think God believes about us. Right. And Brian asked last week, if you were God, what would you say about you? And so the kind of addendum to that this week is if God looked at a breakdown of how you spend your time, what would he say? Right. What does that tell us um, about how we prioritize things? And so for some of us, that leads us to become obsessed with work, right? Okay, well, if that's how I find value, then I'm just going to um, become obsessed with doing whatever it is that brings me value, right? Or for some of us, that leads us to be resentful of work or to be burnt out, um, or to think of it as just a necessary evil, but both of those are bad theologies of work, All right? Neither of those things are where we want to be. Um Tim Keller, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I think yeah. Like, you're your value
1: there, yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, Tim Keller, I don't know if you've ever listened to him or read anything from him, um, but he writes about the kind of the biblical view of work that we get in Genesis. Okay, he says, work is connected with divine, orderly creation and human purpose. Work was not a necessary evil that came into the picture later or something humans were created to do, but was beneath inauguration, right? But I don't know if that worked for the sheer joy of it, or could not have a more exalted inauguration, right? But I don't know if that's how you feel about your job, (laughs) or that's how you feel about the way that you spend your time, right? And that's, so work came into the picture before sin ever entered the picture, right? Work is good. We're meant to do that. We're meant to do good work. At its best, it connects us with God. It gives us meaningful purpose, right? It provides a conduit for our talents and our passions and all of these things, um, whether that be what we're literally paid to do or what we do in our free time. Um, but like anything else, it, be, it can become distorted when it's exalted beyond its proper place. Or when we're, we feel forced to exalt it beyond its proper place. God created us for work, but he also created us for relationship and for rest and for communion and all of these things. Um, And so when it's a healthy balance with everything else in our lives, work should contribute to who we are. It shouldn't deprive us of who we are, um, but that's rarely our experience. And so whether it's because we believe it when culture tells us that we have to produce, that we have to manage our time, that we have to squeeze everything out of our time, or if it's kind of a self-imposed pressure or both – okay, I'm going to speak for me. I constantly do this more and more, right? I'm constantly trying to find a way to do that faster or to do more things at the same time, right? Um, Because we think it's going to make us feel good or it's going to quiet our anxiety or it's going to speak to something that we're constantly worrying about under the surface. And so productivity, I, I call it an idol, not because it's always bad, but just like any other idol, when it's elevated beyond what it's supposed to be, that's when it breaks down, right? That's when it becomes sinful. That's when it becomes a problem, right? Because a product productivity is kind of this deceptive idolatry. It deceives us because it promises us what we want. If I could just get more done, then my life is going to look how I want it to look, right? It's um, it's kind of this carrot dangling in front of us all the time that we never catch,
2: right? Um,
0: and it's it makes it easy to hide. It. Okay, for me, I hide from myself in my busyness,
2: right? um i
0: don't have to deal with or reconcile with the parts of me that i don't like if i 'm really busy, right, even if that's really busy watching Netflix <laughs> or really busy watching the two speed podcasts right? It doesn't have to be great things, but <laughs> right that's how I numb out to that
2: um, so i
0: hopefully that resonates with well i don't hope that resonates, but i I don't think i'm the only one there. Um, it kind of busyness is this kind of bully. That tells us we have to do that to fit in, right? If we achieve and we produce and we're busy and we pack all of these things in, then we'll succeed and we'll be loved, right? And we'll have everything that we want. But the more we fill our life with all these yeses, even really good things, it's, this, is, this is important. All of these things that we're doing are probably not bad things. Um, a lot of them are probably really good things. But the more we fill our lives with things, we're slowly kind of drifting into this obscurity, Right? And we become kind of a shadow of ourselves, right? We're, we're saying, you know, there's never enough time to do anything, and it becomes, it starts to feel aimless, right? It's, we start to kind of lose ourselves in it. Um, and like Brian said last week, in all of this, we inevitably fail, or we inevitably mess up. We don't stick to our schedule that we decided we would start on January 1st, or we don't um, wake up on time to do the, you know, 10 things to the perfect productive morning or whatever it is. You know, we don't, we fail to do that, right? And then, like we talked about last week, then now we're face-to-face with our failure or our depravity or all of those things. We come face-to-face with it again. And then we start over what feels like a rat race all the time. But Ecclesiastes, which I love Ecclesiastes. It is moody as all get out, but I love <laughs> For some reason, Ecclesiastes is what I've turned to during the pandemic, which I don't know if that's encouraging or not, but yeah, I feel like it's Enneagram 9's like personality. It's like, nothing is a big deal. There's a time for this and that. Um, It's all fine. Um, But Ecclesiastes 1, 3 through 8 says, what do people get for all their hard work under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth never changes The sun rises and the sun sets, then hurries around to rise again. The wind blows south and then turns north. Around and around it goes, blowing in circles. Rivers run into the sea, but the sea is never full. Then the water returns again to the rivers and flows out again to the sea. Everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. Okay, so Solomon at least was relatable for all of his crazy other things, he could write some relatable things, right? Because that's, I felt everything is wearisome. Getting up to get the remote feels wearisome. Like, you know, yeah, no, we have that. And it's, it's solved a lot of my weariness. Thank you. (laughs) Right. So, okay. So we read this in scripture and it's funny because Solomon, for all of his riches, for all of his other ridiculous things, he still writes things like this, right? Everything's wearisome. The world just keeps turning and all of this work feels like we're just going in circles, right? And so scripture tells us, sure, work is good like we see in Genesis, but it's not going to get you satisfaction or worthiness or love, right? And that's what Solomon is saying there. And so if you're like me, you've allowed this pursuit of productivity to come before God, um, I wake up thinking about what I have to do, and that is what's on my mind all day, right? You, you stuff your life with all kinds of things, but somehow the Lord doesn't always make the cut. Um, and sometimes he does, right? We're not always <laughs> like that every day. Um, but we've allowed even the most well-intentioned work to come before God. And I'll speak for myself. I've let my most well-intentioned work come before God. And we build ourselves this really busy idol, right? This thing that we're always chasing, And to be perfectly vulnerable with y'all, I've done this recently, right? I've worked and spun my wheels and done plenty of things in my personal life and in this ministry, in this job, without prioritizing God. Um, And I need to repent to y'all as a pastor for doing that, right? That's not how egotistical of me to think that I can do any sort of ministry without first prioritizing the Lord in that, right? And so I I repent for that, but also that's something I'm working on and that's something that, that is a common thing that we deal with. Um, And so, like Solomon writes, the whole idea of time management is really just illusory, right? When we think about it, we can maximize the yield of our minutes, but tomorrow's not guaranteed. We read that in James um, in our two sermon series ago, right? Come, it says in chapter 4, 13 through 15, it says, "'Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit.'" Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. We're not actually in control of our time, and we know that. Um, we like to pretend that we don't know that, but, but we do, right? Um, so what if instead, instead of managing our time and trying to produce as much as possible, instead we thought about stewarding our attention, and no, that's not a fancy way of saying the same thing, right? That's, it sounds similar, but it's not. Um, all the time management and productivity in the world can't silence our anxiety. It can't solve this crisis of mortality. It can't quiet the creeping sense that we're losing time, right? Does anyone feel like that? By halfway through the day, you're like, oh, I've lost time.
2: Um,
0: and it's like a, a shadow that follows you. Time management's not going to take that away. The minutes aren't ours to multiply. We know that we receive time as a gift, right? We know that the breath in our lungs is but by the grace of God alone, right? We know that our life is a vapor, that tomorrow is not promised. Um, but what we can do is cultivate the ability to inhabit the time that we do have with attention. Um, we are in control of that. We may not be in control of all, all of our time, but we are in control of our attention, um, and it's valuable, right? We live in an economy and in a world that's always buying for our attention, right? When Facebook went public in 2012, they said, yeah, we really didn't have a plan for generating revenue, but we knew we owned the world's attention. They said this in an interview later, and they said, so we felt confident that we would figure. I've fallen for some of the Facebook things, right? Um, Everyone is trying to get our attention all the time. Um, it's a resource that we have, and it's hard to give our full attention when we have smartphones and all these things, um, buying for our attention, right? But Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And so Paul is saying here, our attention is valuable, and so develop it for good, right? You have control over your attention, and you can choose how to develop it. Steward it on the right things. Can, can you say that the things you pay attention to, when we talked about that question earlier, um, can the things you pay your attention to be described by uh, whatever's true, noble, right, pure, lovely? Right? And that's what it looks like to take every thought captive, right? What is our attention going to?
2: Um,
0: so how do we do this? How do we stop idolizing our time and our productivity and start stewarding our attention um, without falling back into the same patterns? Right? Brian did a really good job last week and on Sunday of showing us this compassionate God um, who met the woman caught in adultery. Who, instead of judging, instead of shaming, said, oh, that's hard. Let's... Let's figure this out together. right? I'd um, say here is, if God was saying was talking to us, he would say, you are working so hard. Are you exhausted? Does the bare minimum feel like too much? Let's figure this out together. Right? We don't have to feel shame for how we've spun our wheels. Right? We often are well-intentioned. Um, what we do have to do is leave behind the belief that God needs or wants something from us, that our work or what we produce is what he's after.
2: Um, Because
0: that's not true. We're chosen because of who we are and by the grace of God alone. Um, It's not because of anything we can produce, because we know that anything we could do would fall short. Um, And so we have to let go of that idea and recognize that in reality, idolatry is one of the first things that God teaches us about. And it's one of the first things that he warns his people against. It says when we put things before God, when we busy ourselves with things that but don't pay attention to God, that's what we're doing. We're making an idol for ourselves. And the only way we can be free from that is to get to know the Holy Spirit. It's by reorient, reorienting our lives to prioritize God. And so we tear down this idol by spending time with God. <laughs> and that's kind of this... Um it almost sounds anticlimactic, right? It sounds like we should do a clearing of all the calendars and a uh, purging and a Marie Kondo like, you know, we're gonna clear out our office or something, right? Um it feels like there should be a more tangible thing. But I think we're uh that's because we, we want to, to handle this problem the same way that we've handled it before, right? Um Although I do love Marie Kondo. Yeah, <laughs> love you. Yeah, I know, also. Yeah, there's some things that I'm just not willing to. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, whatever you want to call that, I grew up calling. We, we tear down this idol in our, our, in our lives by spending time with God. Whatever you want to call that, I grew up calling that quiet time, devotional time, whatever you call that. Um, we can take God seriously when He says, Seek first the kingdom and everything else will be added unto you, right? We seek the kingdom of God. And we recognize that when we put good things, even great things ahead of God, they lose their goodness, right? And we steward our attention to make God our first priority every day. And just like I said before, I am not, I can't even say that I'm doing that right now every day. Um, that is a lifelong journey and a lifelong thing to pursue. I've heard countless sermons on quiet time and on devotional time and those things. That doesn't mean I'm good at it. That means I know I should do it. Um, there's a bridge between the two to, to walk.
2: Um,
0: but when we do this, everything else falls into place. That doesn't mean all our problems are solved, but it does mean that everything else seems to find its proper place in our list of priorities. It helps give everything else a little bit of clarity. And we're freed from this rat race that we were never meant to run. Um, so we just still ourselves before God. And we say, I have been running my mind out at half speed, and this isn't working, right? For me, it might just be a stroll. But the word says you need only to be still, right? And so if we can find a way, even if it's just for one day, to still ourselves and Allow our t- attention to be devoted solely to the presence of God. That's when everything else falls into place. And we have to guard that time, right? Because we know that that is, um, I'm sure that's somewhere in screw tape letters, right? Is this, this um, need for distraction from the secret place with you and the Lord, right? And um, there's a book. That is old, but it's in the rotation uh, for Blaze and I called Secrets of the Secret Place. If you're willing to go just a little. Um, I grew up Pentecostal, y'all. You just got to let it happen. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> <I'm wrong>. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it goes through this. Okay, if you want to spend time with the Lord, here's how to get the most out of that. Here's how to set that up, right? Um, and it, we, if we can develop this kind of miniature Sabbath in our life, right? We practice that on Sunday, but how about if we practice that for 30 minutes in the morning or whatever that looks like for you, right? Would that would that reorient your day? Would that help you evaluate your day differently? Would that help you say, you know what? I heard from the Lord this morning and whether or not I checked off everything on my to do list, that really reorients the way I discern if this was a good day or not. Um, and I know we have to we have to get going here in a little bit. Um, But what have y'all been taught, if anything, about quiet time, devotional time with the Lord? Um, What does that look like in, in reality for you? Have you been taught anything about that growing up or at church? And That's hard. And that's a incomplete Hard? Oh, you must not have prayed about it, right? That's not what quiet time looks like. Quiet time isn't going to solve all our problems, <laughs> right? Um, but yeah. Anything else? What else were you taught? I know you were asking. Like, I've heard of like the but then,
1: uh, I mean, of I mean, it's Yeah.
0: yeah 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 I've, i know a bunch of acronyms too you've been taught a formula for how to do it yeah yeah and that feels um, right right yeah mhm yeah And then you feel even worse for not checking that one off if you don't do it, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right, and that's, you know, those things are meant to be helpful, but they're not always actually helpful, right? Um, Okay. The hear this. Hear this now. You are free from the acronyms, <laughs> and you are free from any formula you've been taught. If they are helpful to you, then that's awesome. Some of them are great, and if they work for you, if that helps keep you focused, lovely. I do not use them because I get distracted by them. Because I'm like, okay, I've done this, and you know, it becomes. Um, I think it takes away from yeah sure. And if that's, but if that's something that helps you, then that is not a bad thing. You should use that. Um, but if that is what's keeping you from, from spending time with the Lord, then that is, please be free from that. Right. Um, a lot of, a lot of what we can learn about quiet time or devotional time or whatever is found in scripture, right? When we're taught to pray, it says, shut the door, shut everything else out, get rid of distractions. Like it says in Matthew, right? Listen in Matthew 13. Listen for God. Practice silence. Obey. Listen for the Lord and then obey what he says. All of the other good things that we do are energized by our obedience to spending time with the Lord. right? Repent. Chris talks about all this all the time. Prayer is this calibration of the soul. right? And that's how we repent. Um, It doesn't have, it's sometimes quiet time feels like we're spinning our wheels, right? Because it feels like we have the tick, the urge to say, you know, my time would be better spent elsewhere, right? I could be doing the dishes, even though if that's not what you would probably do if given the option, right? Yeah. (laughs) But we have to resist that because we know what, we reap what we sow, right? And we know that if we're sowing into the kingdom of God, if we're sowing into our relationship with God, we're going to reap that even if it doesn't feel like we're doing that in real time. Right. And so use that as your refuge. We've talked about how s- spread thin we feel by this rat race we're on. The quiet place with the Lord is your refuge. The, qu- the quiet place with Jesus is where you can bring decisions that are keeping you up at night. It's where you can intercede. Right. It's where all of these things happen. And so you don't have to go in with a formula. You don't have to go in with a to do list. Which is like, please don't do that, especially after this talk, right? Just go in and meet with the Lord and say, man, you know, it's been a while. Hi. It's good to be here. Right? Some, that's how I've spent a lot of my quiet times is, hmm. how are you, Lord? <laughs> it's been a while. Um, he's so gracious to, he's not going to say, well, where's your acronym? We didn't start with adoration today. You know, that's not how that's going to go. And really, but that's how it feels, right? That's sometimes why I don't go into quiet time is because I feel like I'm the backwards thing we could ever, almost like I need to clean myself up before I do that, which is the most backwards thing we could ever do is feel that way. Um, And so if you don't know what to do, um, that's okay. Um, Scripture teaches us about that. Meet with the Lord anyway. Um, Because simply all we're called to do is to just stand in the presence of God, despite all of our obstacles, despite the hassles, despite distractions, the spiritual warfare, the weariness, all of those things. I know we prefer the endorphin rush of getting things done, but if we just simply stand in the presence of God and stop all of our activity, and we stand in the presence of God without rushing off to do something else, that will be the most intimately, important and irretractable part of your day, right? And that's not going to magically reorient every second of your life, but it is going to reorient your attention to the Lord, right? And that is going to free us from all of these other things that we feel compelled to. And so he's, the Lord is just simply asking for our attention. Um, and so that's what I'm dwelling on because I'm not good at this. Um, so I hope you'll dwell on it with me. Um, any other thoughts on this before we pray around tables? Yeah, and that's good because it is kind of like, okay, Lord, you have an hour to speak to me, and that's not that's not it, right? But w- when we do quiet time and we make it a daily, knowing that's in a daily meditation, we're saying this is a priority for me, so I'm going to do this every day, knowing that the Lord doesn't operate within my specific time frame all the time, and it helps wake our souls up to hear God at you know at work later that day, right? Or to to reorient our time in a different way to be more aware of how the Spirit is McQuiet, right? And that's hard, right? It, it requires alertness, but that's what comes from our quiet time, right? You might hear the Lord better later that day because you spent that time in the morning, right?
1: Yeah, Anthony. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: And isn't that awesome where our time with the Lord helps us pick up on those things, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, Javier.
0: Yeah, but it quiets your spirit, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and so I know we've talked about a whole bunch of different things tonight, but if nothing else, spend some time with the Lord this week. Um, and if you need to talk about that more, talk to us about it, um, because I don't want something to impede that,
2: um,
0: that's going to be the thing that, um, helps reorient everything else, right? Everything else revolves around that when we're doing it correctly, and so alongside me, since I am also working on that, um, that's gonna, that is going to speak to all of these things that we busy ourselves with, um. And that we are anxious about. And so pray around tables. um, And there's plenty of food. So pick up some food to go.